Bible reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is a long chapter. It has 58 verses in it. You'll doubtless be glad to know I'm not going to read all 58. I'm only going to read 54. (laughs) (laughs) Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socher in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Socher and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in all Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three eldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage 
and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Israel, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been fighting a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. 
the stones sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward and with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shearim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Angela, for dealing with such a big piece of scripture. One of the biggest readings we had this year, and definitely worthwhile. You might not have heard that reading since Sunday school. It's an amazing story from the Bible. Father, we ask today that you will speak to us from this incredible story of David and Goliath, that we'll understand the realities for our own life and put them into place, that we might become more like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. One of the realities we live with in this particular world we live in is the reality of bullies. They're all over the place. Actually, they've been around since Cain killed Abel, so it's nothing new, really. It's not a new phenomenon, but it's a major problem. Children deal with bullies every day at school, and oftentimes they come home and be bullied by their parents. People at work deal with bullies in their jobs. There are bullies amongst their neighbours. There are bullies in churches. There are bullies in public. Bullies are everywhere. Bullies inhabit every sphere of our lives. Bullying is defined this way. The use of threats of coercion to intimidate others is the activity of repeated aggressive behaviour intended to hurt another person, either physically or emotionally. So bullying can include verbal harassment and threats and physical assaults or coercion. Coercion is the use of intimidation or force to force someone into doing your will. So bullying is characterised by someone who behaves in a certain way to gain power over somebody else. So here are some defining characteristics of a bully. They lack empathy for other people. They need to control others. They get angry quickly. They constantly remind others of their weaknesses. They pick on those who don't comply to their expectations. They make others afraid through threats. They use physical aggression to intimidate and control. They defy any who share, who would share or correct their power. Do you know any bullies? Are there any bullies here today? Mm, don't put up your hand. <laughs> I've seen children who are bullies. I've seen husbands who are bullies. I've seen wives who are bullies. I've seen elderly people who are bullies. I've seen rich people, poor people, wise people, foolish people, bullies amongst a lot of them. Teenagers can be bullies. Preachers can be bullies. Oh yes. They're everywhere and they're all the same. They're small-minded, evil-hearted people who want the power to control those who live around them. And in fact, sometimes bullies aren't even people. Satan is a bully. His demons are bullies. Sin and evil are bullies. Temptation is a bully. The burdens we carry around and the problems we face in life, they are bullies who seek to intimidate us and control our lives. I want you to understand that bullies do not have to be tolerated. No, they don't. Not in our lives. They must not be allowed to have their way. 
In my experience, most bullies are actually cowards anyway. In spite of their threats, bullies can, can be overcome by people who are willing to stand up for what's right. And anyone who has faith in Almighty God and a little courage in their hearts can see the bullies in their lives put in their place. So this big passage we read today is about a bully who was put in his place by a very unlikely young man. If you'd asked Israel about Goliath, they would have said, this is a hopeless situation. If you'd asked King Saul, he would have said, I don't know what to do, this is hopeless. If you asked David, he said, Goliath is a bully and God's going to put him in his place. So let's have a look at that a little bit today from our Bibles. You might like to open again to 1 Samuel chapter 17. In the first four verses of chapter 17, we, we, see, we, we see the source of Goliath. We want to see his description here. Goliath is described as a Philistine. Now, the Philistines were one of the, the Canaanite tribes left over from Israel's conquest of the promised land. Remember Israel was supposed to kill everybody and get rid of them all? They didn't. They left people here and there and everywhere. The Philistines were one of those crowds. And the Philistines, they were, they were a powerful, warlike people. They were known to be experts in the skills of metallurgy. They, were cra they crafted superior armors, armor and weapons of war. And they were also pagan idolaters. They worshipped the fish god Dagon. The Philistines, they occupied a region that extended from the shore of the Mediterranean Sea in the west to the foot of the mountains of Judah in the east. Now, Goliath was a Gentile, pagan, idol worshipper. He was the enemy of Israel and he was also the enemy of God. But consider the size of this bloke. According to the first four verses of our, of our text, the Philistines and the Israelites, they'd met in the on the field of battle and they're preparing to, to fight a battle for control of the nation or at least for a portion of it. And before the skirmish can begin, the Philistines ch challenged the Israelites to settle the battle using some ancient form of warfare. And what they propose is for each side to send out their best warrior. And these two warriors will meet between the opposing armies and they'll fight to the death. The one that loses, well, his whole army's going to lose. Now, it seems a pretty strange way to fight a battle, but it wasn't an uncommon thing for in those days for, for armies to settle their, their, their disputes in that fashion. Actually, I think, you know, if anyone wants to go to war these days, we should, and the Prime Minister declare it, will say, well, you blokes go and have a battle. We'll see what happens. I think, like, damn, no more wars, will we? Anyway, the issue here is that the warrior, the Philistines had chosen to fight for them, his name was Goliath, and Goliath means splendor. He was a splendid physical specimen to look at. He's from the city of Gath. Gath is one of the five major cities of Philistia. It was located just west of the mountains of Judah and the southern Israel. It was a very strategic military city on the Philistine-Israelite border. And the people of Gath referred to the Bible as Gittites. Now, Goliath, he wasn't an ordinary soldier. He's about three meters tall. That's a big man. He's a giant. And he wears bronze armor constructed from overlapping bronze plates that resemble scales of a fish. That piece of armor weighs about 57 kilos. That's more than half my weight. My goodness, this is a big bloke. He's strong. And he wore greaves on his or wrappings of bronze around his legs. And his spear was compared to a weaver's beam, which means it was strong, it was thick. And the head of his spear weighed seven kilos. You try holding seven kilos out in your arm. You drop. This man was strong. And walking before Goliath was a soldier who carries another shield to protect him from arrows or spears launched by his enemies. 
So Goliath, he's a very formidable soldier. And no doubt everyone who saw him feared him. No one wanted to face him in battle. He appears, appears to be indestructible and unconquerable. And the things that Goliath says, Goliath, he comes out from the Philistine lines, he challenges the Israelites to a fight, he mocks them, he calls them a bunch of cowards. He demands they send out a soldier to fight him. Goliath does this twice a day for 40 days. So Goliath is a persistent bully. He won't give up. He's determined to get exactly what he wants from these Israelites. But consider his success for a moment. Verse 11 says that when, the, when Israel heard the taunts of Goliath, they were dismayed and terrified. Dismayed means they break down in fear. They cannot cope with this one big man. The army of Israel is horror-struck, struck, petrified, panic-stricken, alarmed. The presence, the appearance, the threats of this giant Goliath, they literally left all the soldiers and the king paralyzed with fear. Can you imagine that? One man against a whole army and the whole lot of them are quaking in their boots. So Goliath, he possesses all the trademark characteristics of a true bully. He's big, he's intimidating, he's bold, he's persistent, he's out for blood. He wants to take power away from God's people. He wants to control them. And Goliath achieves his primary goal. He left the people of God intimidated, he left them broken. He has absolute power over Israel and her king at that moment. Now let me ask you a question. Are you facing some bullies? Have you got anything or anyone in your life that resembles Goliath? What I'm asking is this. Are there events, circumstances, people in your life that leave you paralyzed with fear? I think we all face such things from time to time. There are problems that arise in life that assume power over us. There are people who loom large in our minds to the point that we actually fear them and what they might do to us. There are circumstances and situations that overwhelm us with their intensity. And sometimes the bullies leave us facing, leave us not knowing what to do or where to go. And if we're not careful, we allow those bullies to intimidate us to the point where we become afraid to do or say anything. If that describes your life, then your bully has you right where he wants you. Your bully is cruising to an easy victory. But I'm really thankful for this story in the Bible because it doesn't end that way. There isn't a victorious bully in this story. And if we give attention to the rest of the story, we might discover some amazing truth. And the truth of this is this. The bully does not have to win. No, he doesn't. You can defeat your bully no matter who or what he is. Oh, yes. So let's have a look how this bully is defined in, in the Bible here. Goliath, he, he threatens Israel, he mocks them, he challenges them to send out a man to fight him to the death. He does it 80 times over 40 days. Each time he does, Israel responds by what? Hiding in fear from their one opponent. They see him as unbeatable. Even their leader, King Saul, who stands a head taller than anyone else, he's also afraid to go out and fight him. Fear rules the day, but things are about to change. This young man called David, he arrives at the battlefield, and when he shows up, he sees the same giant as the rest of the Israelites. He hears the same taunts. He hears the same challenge. And instead of hiding in fear, David rises to the challenge. And, and he does something about this bully. The question is, what makes David so different 
What makes David so different from the rest of the men? I think the difference is David's opinion of the situation compared to the rest of their opinions. It all comes down to perception. David's viewpoint is all, makes all the difference to the outcome. In verse 25, we see that some saw this bully as an opponent. When Israel saw and heard Goliath, they said, he comes out to defy, defy Israel. They saw Goliath as a threat to their nation. They saw him as a threat to their peace and their prosperity and their happiness. And they couldn't see beyond how they felt. That's the view of fear, isn't it? And that often describes us too, doesn't it? When we face a bully or a bullying situation, when we face one of life's bullies, there are times when we forget that the issue is really bigger than us. For most of us, our primary focus is on how this makes me feel right now. I'm scared. And because I'm scared, I can do nothing. We feel threatened. Our peace and security is in danger. We think of how unpleasant it's going to be if we confront this person. Our focus turns inward. We attempt to protect our little kingdom. And when we do that, we miss the big picture. We really do. That bully, no matter the name or face it wears, actually, when you look at the big picture, I believe the bully was sent or allowed, let me put it that way, to help us grow. Believe it or not, God is behind your bully. Now, I'm not saying that God is doing bad things to you. I'm not saying that. But he's permitted that bully to come into your life for your good and for his glory. Now, where do I get that? Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, 28, 29? It says this. We know that God causes all things, how many things? All things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he'll be the firstborn among many brethren. See, the Bible says there, things happen to you and to me so that I might grow to be like Jesus. Those things are not always good things. I wish it was just Bible study that was sufficient. But it's the circumstances of life that God uses to mould me and you to make us more like Jesus. So no matter how much pain the bully causes in your life, he wasn't sent to destroy you. Your bully thinks he's there for that very reason. But despite what the bully thinks, he was actually there to develop you. Sent there to make you more like Jesus, which is God's goal in saving us. So listen to me today. If the bully in your life succeeds in getting your eyes off the Lord, the bully has won. If, however, you face your bully with your eyes on the Lord, then God will use the pain from that problem for you to become more like Jesus. We'll develop that a little further in a moment. In verse 26, some saw this bully as an obstacle. Israel saw Goliath as standing between them and what they wanted. David saw Goliath as standing between God and what God wanted. David says this, he says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine, Philistine who should defy the armies of the living God? I like the way he puts that. This man has no covenant relationship with God. That's what he says. And everyone else is going, huh, what? See, to, to David, th this issue is bigger. It's bigger than Goliath and, and King Saul. It's bigger than the army of Israel. To David, it's an issue about the glory of God. 
And this is the view that faith takes. For David, Goliath stands as an obstacle between God and his people. And we need the same perspective. We need, when we allow any bully to paralyze us with fear, we are rendered ineffective for God. Fear of your bullies will prevent you from saying what needs to be said. Fear of your bullies will stop you from doing what needs to be done. Look, there are preachers who do not preach the Bible because they're frightened of the deacons in their church. That's right, it happens. There are church members who won't tell a gossip to shut their mouth because they're afraid of the gossiping bully. There are people who won't witness because someone has made you once afraid. There are parents who won't stand up to their children because they raised up little bullies parents are afraid. There are wives who live in fear because of a bully who keeps them in line with verbal threats and physical abuse. There are husbands who are henpecked and browbeaten because their wife is a bully who doesn't know when to switch off her tongue. Both sides. It happens. There are children who deal with bullies every day, all day long at school, and they go home to bullying from their parents. And in our church life, there are all these bullies and more, and they stand as obstacles between God's children and the will of God. So bullies need to be seen for who they are. Bullies are big trouble. Bullies are obstacles. And bullies need to go. They really do. In our personal lives, the bullies we face, the problems and the other things that come our way are obstacles to God's will being done in our lives. We need to see them that way. And when we do, our circumstances will change. In this Bible passage that was read for us this morning, some saw this bully as an opportunity. The men around David tell him at least three times that the man who kills the bully will be rewarded by the king. It says the king will give him great wealth. He also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father from taxes or his father's family from taxes in Israel. So the man who kills the bully gets money, he gets a girl, and he gets to pay no tax. How cool is that? Sign me up. Wealth is always appealing, isn't it? And marrying a princess, that sounds all right too, doesn't it? And the thought of not having to pay taxes, well, that's joy to anyone's heart, I'm quite sure. <laughs> so David's goal, however, was not just wealth and position and power. David is motivated by something far bigger than all of this. He's motivated by the glory of God. See, back in, back in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the prophet Samuel comes to David's house and he anoints David to be the next king in Israel. David is already starting to think and act like a king. He knew that one day he was going to take King Saul's job. David knew that he was headed to the throne. And I believe that when David looks at Goliath, he recognizes and realizes that killing Goliath, killing, Goliath, killing this bully, is going to bring him even closer to achieving what God has promised him. David was the man that God had chosen to be the new shepherd of Israel. And when the bully Goliath threatens those people, it makes David livid. He's angry because that bully is a threat. A threat to what? To God's people, to God's plan, and to God's glory. In David's mind, that simply would not stand. That bully must go. And the sooner we realize that the bullies in our lives are an opportunity for God to receive glory from our lives, the sooner we'll be willing to stand up against them. Yes. See, God is not glorified when I'm paralyzed by fear. What I read at the beginning, God has not given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Praise God. God is glorified when I forget about myself, my agenda, my feelings, my wants, 
and concern myself with his glory alone. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, yes? And everything else you need will be added unto you. It's in the scriptures. Every bully in our lives is an opportunity for God to get the glory. But by the same token, every bully is an opportunity for us also to fail. Our duty is what? To trust God and the power that he will give us to overcome the bullies as we face them. So just how is this bully going to be defeated? Let's have a look at that. The remainder of the chapter, verses 35 to 54, teaches us how, how David defeats the bully. And the methods that he uses to defeat the bully are going to work for any bully that you face in your life. So let's go to slingshot class. You ready? Okay, good. Number one, this bully is defeated by courage. Courage. David says that he'll fight the giants. Now Saul, King Saul, he doesn't think David can do it. And he says so. But then again, no one else thought David could do it either. After all, he's a young man. You know? He's probably late teens or something. He's never been proven in the field of battle. What does he know about whipping bullies? But David quickly lets Saul and the rest of the men know he's faced a bully or two in his time. He tells them about he's killed a lion and a bear that were threatening his sheep. My goodness, a man that can do that with his bare hands, I'd stand in awe of, wouldn't you? He tells Saul there's no difference between these animals and Goliath. To David, they're all bullies who needed someone to stand up to them, and he's just the man to do it. And in verse 37, David states he has absolute confidence that just as God gave him victory over the lion and the bear, God is going to give him victory over Goliath. In David's mind, this is a fixed fight. He cannot do anything but win. And David succeeded because he's not afraid to face the bullies in his life. Now, that is not to say that David didn't dread what was coming. I'm sure there were butterflies the size of pterodactyls in his belly <coughs> when he ran up to face Goliath, really. His heart would have been hammering out of his chest, you think about it. It's not that David didn't have fear. What matters is that he didn't allow his fears to stop him. That's the difference. That's what courage is. Courage doesn't mean you don't face, you don't feel fear. It means you just don't let it stop you. And David triumphed because he was a man of courage. So if we're going to whip the bullies in our life, we're going to need courage as well. Now I know from personal experience how fearful it is to confront bullies. How fearful it is to confront issues and problems. I know the fear that rests in the pit of your stomach. That gnawing ache that warns you this is going to get bad. I know about it. But I also know about the moment when you face that bully. When you face that situation, the Lord will give you the courage that you need. I know that from my own personal experience in church life. And we can all experience the same. It won't be easy to feel, face the bullies in your life, but remember this. Listen to what the Lord has promised. He's promised, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Isn't that in the scripture? It's in my Bible. I hope it's in yours. The Lord has promised to see you through to the other side. Listen to this. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. That's in Isaiah. And the Lord has promised to protect you. Listen to this, again to Isaiah. No weapon forged against you will prevail. 
You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me. Are we not servants of the Lord? Then this is our heritage. Praise God. The Lord has promised to enable you. In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That belongs to us, doesn't it? The Lord has promised you a victory. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans 8.37. Do you hear it? That's in your Bible and mine. You shall underline those bits. The Lord has prepared us for the showdown with our bullies. For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You see that when the Holy Spirit fills you, that deals with the fear that we face. So we need to let these promises and thousands more beside give us the courage we need to face bullies. Without courage, the bully will never be faced. But with courage, the bully will always be defeated. So David had courage, but he was also he had conviction. David receives Saul's blessing, and he prepares to face the bully. Saul tries to put his armour on David. David attempts to wear this. Now David, I guess, was not as tall as Saul. Saul was the tallest man in Israel. He had taller than everybody else, including David. And so David puts on the armour of Saul, and he realises it's not made for him, it was made for Saul, because Saul's a big bloke. And there's no way this armour is going to fit David. And David also knew that, hang on a second, Saul possessed this armour in the first place the whole time and he still didn't have the courage he needed as the king to face Goliath. So David knew the secret is not the armour of men. That's not it. David was a shepherd. He picked up the tools of a shepherd. The shepherd's bag, his sling, his staff and he went out to meet Goliath. On the way he, st he stops by the brook and he kicks, picks up a five small stones, nice and round, for his sling. He's armed and he's ready for the battle. David has the conviction that bullies aren't defeated by the, ar the, the armies or the tactics of men or their weapons. David knew that Goliath would only be defeated by the same power that enables him to, to defeat the lion and the bear. David puts it this way. He identifies the Lord as the source of his victory. David's conviction was that victory was in the hand of the Lord and nowhere else. That's the same conviction we need, isn't it? When we face the bullies in our lives, so that we can defeat them. We can't defeat bullies by our own power. Our weapons are ineffective against bullies. But against God's power, the bully is helpless. We are weak. He's strong. That is God, of course. We need to forget about what we have done or what we think we can do. We need to place our faith in God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 3 verse 20. He says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Brothers and sisters, do you hear what Paul is saying to us? He says, you have God's power at work within you. Face the bully, have the courage, have the conviction, and see the bully defeated. May God give us the conviction in our hearts to know that he is able. Even when we can't see what he's doing, he will do it or it will be done. Faith is the substance, it says in Hebrews, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith in God is never misplaced. It allows us to hold victory over bullies in our hands even before we face them in the battle. David was convinced he would be victorious because David knew 
God never fails. Yes, is that true? So we see that what's happening here, David, he uses courage, he uses conviction, and he also uses confidence. Brothers and sisters, bullies will be defeated by our confidence. David walked out to face that bully that day with absolute faith that he could walk back with victory. <laughs> it's incredible the conversation that is between Goliath and David in our scriptures. David and the bully are closing the gap. In fact, David is so convinced, he starts to run. He's going to get this bloke. And he reaches into the shepherd's bag. He takes out a single stone. He places that single stone in his sling. He winds up and he lets fly. And hits Goliath right in the forehead. The place where his, his face, his, his helmet wasn't covering. The stone hits him right between the eyes, sinks into his head, and this bully is dead even before he hits the ground. Now to be sure, David runs over to the fallen body, takes out Goliath's sword and cuts off his head. This deed is done. Israelite soldiers, they're inspired by David's faith and the courage. They join the battle and they rout the enemy. David walks off the, 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 the battlefield, a bully's sword in one hand and his head in the other. This man is victorious. What a victory. And what made this victory possible? It wasn't David's incredible ability with a sling. It wasn't David's power or skill as a warrior. The secret to David's success and Goliath's death all came down to one word, faith. Faith. David believed God and God handed David the victory. That's how it works. You'll never defeat your bullies by your own power. Don't even try but you can and you will defeat them through God's power. Put bullies in the hand of God and trust him to give the victory to you. Faith in God is the key to all the battles that we face, especially when we face life's bullies. Listen to what Jesus says. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, 24. Truly I say to you, says Jesus, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says is going to happen it will be granted to him therefore I say to you all things for which you pray and ask believe that you've received them and they will be granted to you that's a challenge isn't it Jesus virtually gives us an open checkbook of faith he says you sign in the number I'll sign my name will you deal with the life situations 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Do you hear what, the, what he's saying to us? We can come before God, and if we ask according to God's will, with faith, we will have the answer, which is yes, now, how do I know it is God's will for my bullies to be defeated? I know this because faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. And the word of God says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Brothers and sisters, is there not freedom from bullies? Yes. yes. The Lord didn't save us to be held in bondage. He saved us to be free. Free from bullies. The Lord saved us to set us free to live a life of victory for the glory of God. It worked for David and it will work for you as well. Conclusion time. 
How about you this morning? Are you facing some bullies? I'd say we probably all are in one way or another. What are you going to do about them? Are you going to hide in your tent and let the bullies hold you in bondage? Are you going to let them defeat you and stand between you and the wonderful things God has for you? Or are you going to stand up to them like David did? Are you going to stand up to them with your faith in the power of God? Are you going to trust God to give you the victory? Whatever or whoever the bullies may be in your life, today is the day they need to be faced. Today is the day that you can be free from the power they have over your life. If your bully is sin, it's held you in cruel bondage. You need to come to Jesus, let him be your saviour, save your soul, and he can deliver you from the bully. If you are saved and your bully is a person or a problem or some besetting sin that you are still struggling with or anything else you want to name, bring that bully to God. Let him have, give you the courage you need to face it and to deal with it. Brothers and sisters, if we keep our eyes on God, rather than on the circumstances that face us, the victory is ours. I've said enough. You've listened well. Now it's time to apply it to your lives. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise for this ancient story that some of us haven't explored since Sunday school days. But Father, we would ask today that the relevance that we've heard about about us facing bullies in our lives, that that might be applied now deep into our spirits, that we would have your courage and your conviction and the confidence you give us through Jesus to have the victory in our lives because, Father, it's your glory that's at stake. So we come to you in faith, trusting that your will will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. For we ask it in Jesus' name.